This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Miranda. She loves pickled okra. And that's Melanie. She's always going to stay current on the neighborhood cat soap opera drama. Our topic this week is all about camping. We're excited to talk about it. I'm excited. But I wanted to revisit, I think, one of my favorite camping stories of all time. And you know which one I'm talking about. Our camping trip? Where, our, where, our camping where, trip. Where Jonah and I went camping with your family? Yes, yes. And well, we, the first time. The first time that we went camping together. I guess it was the first time. We've had some trips since then. But we yes, have. our kiddos were little. Fisher was like a wee little tot. He was like a hip baby. And yeah. what was Jonah? Like Jonah three, maybe? He was must potty have training. Been like three and a half. <laughs> Because we had just gotten to the point that he was, like, always using the potty. So tell us about him always using the potty. It was quite a process. He was a little bit older than most kids when we were potty training. But I got some tips from a really great lady that I I happened to meet. She was an angel, I think. Um, And we had him, like, fully potty trained. In that process, unbeknownst to me, I had apparently led him to believe that the only place you can pee or poop is in a toilet. And this is a very stark contrast to when I was potty training Fisher, because at that point, you'll remember it was COVID. And so we were home. He was he was three, just turned three. And we were both, you know, working from home. The weather was awesome because it was like right around, you know, March, April. So starting to warm up. So we were outside all the time. And I just let him run around naked in the backyard. And when he peed, he peed. And then he kind of figured it out and kind of got the hang of it that way. So he kind of learned (laughs) the opposite that really you can just pee anywhere. And I still struggle with that because I'm telling you, my son nearly dropped trowel at the minor league baseball game last night and peed on the berm because nature called. Yeah. (laughs) Important to note, (laughs) at, at the time that Jonah was that age, we lived in a condo. That's a good point. Yeah. You probably don't want your kid running around naked. No. Yeah. With all the neighbors spying out their sliding glass doors. Fair point. Fair point. But yes, Jonah had it in his head that he could only pee or poop in a potty. 
So Correct. when we went camping, this was this was a little bit out of context for him. And I should say, we didn't go camping at a campground. We no. stayed with some of our friends who live way, 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 way up in the mountains. And they kind of have their own little sustainable off the grid. Like we have an outhouse kind of situation. I mean, at the time we were there, they didn't even have an outhouse. There's no running water. There was not even an outhouse. Yeah, when we went up there, they had just purchased the land and beautiful, beautiful piece of property way up in the woods. But, you know, for them, they were in the process of like building a house and building an outhouse and wanting to kind of pursue their sustainable off the grid lifestyle. And so (laughs) they had what they called a poop bucket and the poop bucket was available to them should, you know, you need to use it. And Jonah had been playing all day. Lots of uh, Kool-Aid and drinks, I'm sure, were consumed. And a couple of times, like, we we took him down the road because they had, like, a they had like a little kind of outpost down the road that they would yes. go to. Important to note, though, that my child would have rather ridden in a car that was unknown to him with a person he barely knew to, to get use to the a toilet. Yeah. Rather than... <laughs> Pee on a tree. Pee on a tree. Yeah. <laughs> I love this so much. Oh my gosh. He needed to go. And we had kind of said, you know, we're not driving back to the outpost. Like we're not getting in the car and driving a mile and a half down the road. You need to just muscle up and, and go. So, and, um, and meanwhile, I'm like quiet mom panic <laughs> thinking about kidney stones, right? And, right, like, UTIs and bladder UTIs infections, and like, oh I mean, gosh. how how long does a three and a half year old have to hold their pee before their bladder explodes? That's and, where my head's at, and I will say it. Your son has a lot of willpower. I mean, to this day, he is a very stubborn kid. I'm not sure where he gets that from. I know exactly where he gets that from. I don't know where the stubbornness comes from, but he has it. And he just made up his mind that he was not going to pee on a tree. So Miranda, ever the problem solver. Ever the problem solver. I, I... What I equate this to, Melanie, is one of my favorite movies when I was a kid with Robin Williams and it's Peter Pan and they're at the table and there's like no food and then the kids like use their imagination and then it's like a feast, right? Mm -hmm. So, So for Jonah, we made up. And again, we're out in the middle of the woods, but... There were some wood pallets. Believe you me, there were some wood pallets. And those wood pallets were a bathroom floor. And believe you me. There were some invisible walls. And an invisible sink. And invisible wallpaper. And an invisible door with an invisible door handle. And I pantomimed that whole bathroom. I'm like, Jonah, can't you see it? It's right here. Look, let me open the door for you. Like, look, here, I'll even lock it for you. And I'm like making the sounds. I'm like, come on in. Look, you feel the rug under your feet in here? It's nice and fluffy. Oh, my gosh. Look, there's a sink and like a little picture over here. Look, there's a mirror on the wall. Wow. And I I got your kid. I did it. I got your stubborn ass child to sit down (laughs) on that bucket and and we, I think, were even more relieved than he was. <laughs> we were gesturing to each other, like behind yes! the toilet bucket, going, yeah, We did. <laughs> we can have another beer before we go to bed. <laughs> oh my god! 
gosh, that was amazing. What a skill. It was really Jeez. impressive. I mean, I I have to say it was one of the most remarkable moments. I, you've really impressed me a number of times since we've met one another. But that one, I mean, y'all, she even had like, she was like, oh, Donut, you're going to have to step back. I don't have enough space to open the door. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, watch out. Like, I'm opening the door here. <laughs> and, you know, he's three and a half. He's like, oh, oh uh, okay. He just um, believed it all. It was amazing. It, yeah. it was unbelievable. <laughs> And I'm sitting there because my face tells exactly how I'm feeling. So I am trying to have the most schooled expression ever going. (laughs) But, Uh, you know, sometimes we all get creative. We all played along. And, you know, when you're out in the woods and you're out in nature and you're camping, you got to use what you have. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You got to use what you have. And sometimes it takes a lot of creativity on our part as parents. But... (laughs) That was, that was amazing. Like that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What a fun trip. I think that was also the trip that we had to throw Fisher's poopy pants away in the Dollar General parking lot in like some random Dollar General. fell off in the parking lot and like splattered. (laughs) And like I took Jonah in and bought him a slinky. We left it in that parking lot at that, that Dollar is General. actually also the trip that I learned that there are scorpions in South oh, Carolina. Oh, yeah. We found a scorpion that trip. Who knew? Fun yeah. facts, y'all. Check, check your shoes. Check your shoes, gals. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Tell me what you know. Melanie. So Miranda, camping. Yeah, Tell do me like, about it. Do, do you like going camping? I have mixed feelings on camping. I love camping. It's one of my most favorite things to do. As an addendum to that, I love to camp at a music festival. Okay. You're good at that. You're good at camping at music festivals. I have that down to a science. And it's very, very different than camping just in general. Especially with your family. It's very different. There's no kids at a music festival. Well, um, there are those people in that certain section that do bring their kids, but that is not me. Not ever. Bump them. Bump them. You know, that's that's a whole different world. Okay. So So I want with it. I want to talk about camping activities. And in honor of camping activities, I have a Terrapin Recreation Ale. You'll be pleased to know that it's a low-calorie IPA clocking in at 99 calories. And, I mean, she's really just kind of a light, crispy girl that you would enjoy, like, after a long hike. A 99-calorie IPA. 99 I'm impressed. It's unheard of. And she's like 4% alcohol. She gets the job done, you know? And and here's the thing. I wanted to be in the spirit of camping. And this is probably my favorite camping beer. They used to make Dayblazer. Um, New Belgium used to make Dayblazer. And it was hands down my favorite. But I love Dayblazer. I haven't seen it in a long time. So New Belgium, if you're listening, bring it back. Okay, we're fans and we need it. But what I want to talk about is camping activities and how do we as parents make sure that we maximize the fun that our family is having and minimize the aggravation that our family is also destined to have on said camping trip. And the two worst words that you hear out of your child's mouth when you are out in nature ever period are what? I'm going to give you a guess. What 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 do your kids say? Two words. Just one word. I'm 
Ford. <laughs> there it is. There it is. If you don't hear your child say, I'm bored while you're camping, then you're doing it wrong. Okay. <laughs> because it's going to happen. And I don't know. I haven't found the answer to that, but I do want to try to, again, give some ideas and some things here to break down for when you do go camping. Maybe you don't hear those words as often. That's I'm like, here for it. Yeah, I, I like, need these tips. Okay, well let's let's get to it. So I want to break it out into three categories. So things you can do at campgrounds, uh, pre-planned stuff that requires a little bit of advanced planning, and then just kind of like spur of the moment, like organic play things you can do. You don't want to pack a bunch of extra stuff. You need your kids to find a way to keep themselves entertained. Like you don't want to be chasing them around and and keep it up with them the whole time. They're in nature. They need to find something to do. But sometimes I think kids just need a starting point. They just need you as a parent to kind of get them started and give them an idea and then let them kind of go from there. So different ideas, different things we can do to get them kind of started organically and then let them go off and do their thing, right? We love to see it. So, of course, campgrounds themselves have a lot of different things that you can do. Um, Hiking, you can pretty much do that anywhere. Swimming. Although, fun fact, we went camping a couple years ago and they advertised swimming on their website. And so we're like, great, cool. Like they're swimming around here somewhere. We hiked around and we were, it was July and we don't mind summer camping, but a lot of people are not, that's not their thing, but we don't mind it. But it was hot during the day. It's 92 degrees and you want to get into some water somewhere. And we went on this hike trying to find the water. And it was like, we're like clicking the sticks together. We're like scratching the moss off the tree. We're like listening for where is the water at. And finally, after hiking for like 45 minutes, it was like at the other entrance of the um, <laughs> of, of the trail. <laughs> it was so terrible. Okay. So, so, so really, we need to work always, on our map reading skills. Always get a map. <laughs> Tip number one, always get a map. so funny. And we got to it from like this weird back way. Like we're like across the river rummaging down this bank. And there's like this family on the other side of the river that just literally walked over and they're just like splashing in the creek. (laughs) Like, oh, how did you guys find this place? Oh, it was funny. So make sure you know where the water is. Also be mindful of like algae levels and contaminants and all those things that you know a whole lot more about than me. And water moccasins. Yeah. Yeah. And cotton mouths. They like the water too. So obviously lots of water things to do. Kayaking, canoeing, paddle boarding, all of these things, depending on the age of your kid, these may be super, super fun. Uh, Just make sure, you know, you remember all your water safety, make sure your kid's in a life jacket, all that good stuff. Fishing is also a super fun camping activity. I don't know if you got to go fishing a lot when you were a kid. You you heard our fishing story from a couple months back. (laughs) I mean, I was always an entrant in the kids fishing derby at Walton Lake. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah. That's impressive. Never won. Yeah, but you were an entrant. Small bluegill a time or two. 
Okay. Did you have like a tackle box or something? Like, did you walk uh, yeah, up? I absolutely had a tackle box. That's hot. That's hot. Like, <laughs> describe your tackle box to me. Like, I just picture you with like your freckly kneecaps and like your tackle box. Uh, well, girl, <laughs> it's probably still in my parents' oh garage. My I'll send you a picture when I'm home later. <laughs> uh, fun side note, though. I don't know if you've seen this, but most recently, people are making these charcuterie boards in tackle boxes. Have you seen this? Like no. it's a like it's a travel no. charcuterie situation. How great is that? And I'm talking the kind the that you put your different lures in. You know, yeah, not right, like right, the like right. big tackle, like where you put the pliers and stuff, but like yeah. the ones with all the little compartments. The little compartments, like you have your olives in one, your you little got your pickles olives, in another, you got your little like, cheese you got cubes little here. Dip, you got little yeah. cheese cubes. How great is that? Heck yeah. I'm a fan of that. Definitely pack that for your hike. Carry it like a little plastic suitcase full of olives up the mountain. <laughs> Lots of these campgrounds also have playgrounds. So especially for little ones, that's a great way to just get out some energy and play without, you know, fearing that maybe their motor skills aren't where they need to be to be like out on a big Rudy trail or something like that. Bike trails. Um, I was telling Fisher this morning, one of my favorite memories from when I was a kid was when we would go camping and like my parents would give me permission to like ride my bike the 0.2 miles down the road to the little camp store and buy an ice cream like out of the big slidey cooler you know like get like a a taco taco out of there totally know what you're talking about yeah my parents and i i grew up as you all know in ohio but my parents had this vintage tow behind camper that had the slide out beds yeah yeah. and it was like military canvas like and we would go camping every summer to Lake Erie because there's some really amazing campgrounds that are like right on the lake which Miranda, you're gonna have to come home with me sometime because Lake Erie, you're from Tennessee. You're not picturing what you should be picturing. It's like an ocean. It's like a beach. Yeah, yeah. So we would go up there and always took our bikes. And that was always my thing. Wow. Can I go to the store? Right, right. Can I have five dollars and go get a Chaco Taco or a Klondike bar? <laughs> and I loved it. Like it was I felt so cool, you know, like riding my bike through the campground with like the wind rushing through my hair on my way to get my Chaco Taco. Oh, those were the days. (laughs) They also have geocaching, um, of course. I've never done geocaching, but apparently it's like a thing and a lot of people do it. But have you ever heard of letterboxing? No. Okay, this is is also a thing. It's kind of similar, but what it is, is it's uh, like a treasure hunt and letterboxes are hidden and they contain a logbook and a stamp. So to go letterboxing, you have to have your own logbook, you have to have your own stamp and a little ink pad. And when you discover a letterbox, you make an imprint of your stamp in oh the letterbox logbook. Right. It's kind of like a passport that's, that's like shared. That's what I was just going to say. Almost like a passport. Yeah. How cool. It's kind of cool. Fun. And they say like you get to have like your own unique stamp. And like I know you can find like custom stamp makers like even on Etsy. On Etsy. Yeah. yeah. And stuff like that. Um, but it says there's 90,000 letterboxes hidden around the world. Uh, and a lot of them are on the same like geocaching apps and websites. You get to make your own little stamp and then you get to like passport and and log where you go. So that sounds kind of fun and different. I had never heard of that before. I hadn't 
either. Yeah. So there's lots of fun things. And then, of course, depending on what campsite you're going to, maybe they have a special feature like a ropes course or zip line, all kinds of things like that. So make sure you're familiar if you're going to like a campground, make sure you're familiar with their amenities and what they offer and try to plan the best activities for your your child's age and, you know, make sure they have an expectation to like talk to your kids about, hey, on Tuesday, we're going to go hiking on Wednesday, we're going to go swimming, give them some expectations of, of what you're going to use at the campgrounds amenities. And, and I feel like I should mention this because this is kind of like the new modern thing, or it has been here for a long time, but I live in coastal South Carolina. So we have a number of oceanfront campgrounds. Yeah. And I feel like the term campground is used loosely in this situation but they have water parks they have mm-hmm. i mean you name it like some of these campgrounds are yeah. crazy i even have some family in ohio that went to one not that long ago that had like a petting zoo a splash pad oh my a gosh mini park, golf mini an arcade golf. yeah and it was like all together. So there's some awesome. really cool options. Yeah, find find what's going to work for for your child and especially like how old they are, your children. Um, and just make sure you kind of plan around some of those amenities because yeah, a lot of campgrounds have a lot of cool stuff. So some things you can plan ahead of time. And when it comes to cooking at a campsite, again, great way to make memories with your with your family. I really prefer like going and doing everything at the campsite. One of my friends, we went camping and she had done so much prep work and like had done all of this stuff and had everything pre-portioned where it was literally just throw it on the skillet. But like, for me, that's part of the experience and like getting everybody involved and taking your time. Cause then it's like you spend all your time prepping and getting all this food chopped when it's like, literally you're sitting around a campground. What else are you going to do but chop this food? But yeah. And, and you've got nothing but time. So like get your kids involved, let them experiment, let them learn some of those skills as well. Those little hobo packs are really fun. Like there's a million little campsite recipes that you can find online. Think about, again, what age is your child? What's going to be realistic for you to plan and, and do? My parents always had pie irons. Have I you ever love used those. a pie iron? Yep, yep. No, that's that's like all we use. And because you can do anything. You can do desserts. You can do breakfast. You can do pizza, we quesadillas. We used to do full dinner. Like mm-hmm. we would do pizzas for the meal and then we would do pies for dessert. Dessert. Yep. Yeah. And if um, you forget it, you can send your oldest kid to the camp store to get a, la- a loaf of white bread. <laughs> That's the right. cheapest they got. It's going to be $5 because you're at the camp store, but just white bread. You could also like get a scavenger hunt together. I feel like this is something that Jonah would love to do. And you can do it a lot of different ways. So like finding objects, uh, whether it's like find a pine cone, find a tree stump, find a bird's nest, you know, whatever, like give them objects that they have to find in nature. Another one I saw that I really liked was a color scavenger hunt. And so it was like a sheet of paper with like all different colors on it. And then like you'd have to find a leaf or some other, maybe a flower petal or something and match it to the colors that were on uh, the little sheet. You could also have like a different version of that, like campground bingo, you know, like what did you find? Nice. What did you see? And you can make your own, um, obviously, like if you really want to go that route. But there's also, again, shout out to Etsy and some of like locally owned, black owned, women owned businesses on Etsy that you can support and local artists there too. 
lots of fun things like this available there as well. Journaling. And I I really like this. I think it's really cool to model this for your kids. So I love to like go camping and take a journal with me and like find a quiet place and just like write down my thoughts. You know, it's like a nice little exercise for me. And I think it's fun to like include your whole family in that like, oh, let's write a poem. And then at the end of the night, like around the campfire, everybody can read their poem that they wrote today in nature or something. Wow. A short story. Ow. No, no way, man. really? Oh, no. I love this. Mm-hmm. I love this so much. No, I think it's so cool. <laughs> to each their own, but Mel will not be writing what? a poem. Oh my no. gosh. Or just like a fun little story, like a story about something that you saw. Maybe a story. <laughs> and, then, and then you read it to everybody around the campfire. Like, I think that is so sweet. Another thing that I saw along those same lines, like could be a good idea to bring a journal and like some crowns. You can do, sorry, I say crowns because I'm from Tennessee. That, okay, Hold on, everyone. That word that she wants you to understand is crayon, like a Corolla. (laughs) Corolla. Like a Toyota Corolla. Hold on. Pause. A Crayola crayon. 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 Not crown. I call it a crown. She can't. She can't help it. I've worked on it for years. She means a Crayola crayon. That thing. A Toyota Corolla crayon. That's what you need. Did you You ever do it? You just did it. (laughs) I had to think really hard about it. Did you ever do uh, like where you put the leaf between two pieces of paper and then you with a with a crayon? Yeah. So it's it's uh, like crayon rubbing or something. But like you get a piece of paper, you put a leaf in there, you put another piece of paper on top like a little sandwich, you turn your crayon sideways, and then you rub it and you make a little imprint of the leaf. And That could be a really fun thing to do, too. You can also, if you have a sunny spot at your campsite, if you lay things on construction paper out in the sun for a while, Mm -hmm. the construction paper fades and then you can see whatever you put on it. Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too. As long as you don't allow your children to put living creatures on... Like leaves and and sticks and things only. Leave the scorpions alone. You could also bring like board games, card games. Again, takes a little bit of planning. Um, Or I was going to say like catchphrase or like one of some of those passing ones. I love it. Yahtzee with the dice, you know, anything where it's not like a ton of little small pieces. But if you're also like if you're stuck in a tent because it's raining outside, could be really fun to have a board game and, you know, gather everybody around. I'm going to recommend Pass the Pigs. I saw that. Is it fun? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? Have I not made you play Pass the Pigs? I've never played it before. Oh, it's a great time. My family, we always did stuff at Christmas and there were several years in a row that we had played very competitive games of Pass of the Pass Pigs. Pass the Pig. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Little tiny rubber pigs that you yeah. like roll and then they land in different positions and it's like a snouter, a leaner, a leaning snouter. Uh, (laughs) it's a really good time oh my gosh that sounds really fun bring like sports balls you know soccer balls kickballs things like that those little uh baseball gloves and baseballs or the little stands that you put the ball on and then practice hitting it like something like that could be fun another one that i saw that i think we would pull out for fisher this year is mad libs how about mad libs 
I love Mad Libs. <laughs> does Jonah does Jonah play with Mad Libs? Like, does he think those are fun? Yeah, he has several Mad Lib books. I we haven't gotten them out in a while, but yeah, he does like yeah. those. I feel like that's great, like for a car ride, but then also while you're out camping too. Yeah, and then for sure. it's kind of like an English lesson along the way. So that's fun. Okay. You'll like this one because I know you like to navigate and you loved reading maps when you were a kid. So one of the things that you can do is it's kind of like an Easter egg hunt. You can like hide a prize or like some money somewhere near your campsite. And then you can draw a little map or you can use like the camps map and make a little marker or a line or something on it. Like X marks the spot and help your kid learn like some basic map reading and navigational skills so like a treasure hunt right exactly that's awesome really fun right friendship bracelets that's always fun to do but obviously you need to bring supplies and then pebble pets like the rocks you know you like paint the Mm -hmm. rocks to look like a little bug or pet and then i saw lots of fun games where you hide these around the campground and like they're always showing up in different places you know cute yeah like you never see them being moved but they're always in different places like that i thought was really cute and then uh there's lots of books that you can find that are like campfire stories even like scary or Spookies campfire stories for your family that you can tell around the campfire. But like there's books of those that you can find and bring. And I thought that would be fun too, you know, when everybody's yeah, just sitting around sure. staring at the fire. Okay. And then lastly is like the spur of the moment or like nature games that you can kind of use to just get your kids started. Like if you need to go off and do something or if you just want to sit there and read your book and not be playing with them for a little bit because you're also on vacation. Anything that you can do to get them started with like imagination or creative play. One of my friends is so good at this with her little boys and she will send them off on like these detective quests and it's like, oh my gosh, I think there's some clues around here. And then she'll find like some random arbitrary broken twig and be like, they came through here. What were they getting? And who was it? And, and you know, what time? And and then like the kids just take it and run, you know, and she just kind of every now and then they'll come over and they may need a prompt or something. But it's so cool to see like imagination and creative play. I feel like I could do a whole episode on that. And I definitely would love to interview her and bring That's her on. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's really just like spurring on your child's imagination, right? So it's you're giving them a prompt and kind of getting them started. And then wherever they take it, you just roll with it. So one of those things, it's probably best if you don't overthink it. Another little thing that I thought is fun is to build like fairy houses or toad houses. Like show your kid how to oh build a little goodness, I've log never done cabin. That. that sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. And you can just teach them how to like lay the sticks out in a little square and like build a house and pretend, you know, And you can make them like as elaborate or as simple as you want, but get them started, show them how to do, do things like that. And then, or if they're a little bit older, teach them how to build a fort and give them some basic like fort building skills. There are some kids, we've got a park here um, in our town and there's like this huge wooded area. And some of these like preteen rascals, like they are always building forts out in the woods. And some of them are really impressive. Like I want to go play in some of those forts because they have like full blown roofs and stuff i'm very that's impressed. awesome yeah we did that as kids like w- there was a wooded area behind my parents house and so we built like a limb tp one summer and like that's oh, where we hung out it wow. was fun 
I love that. A limb TP. Yeah. Like that's, this stuff is so cool. What else is on here? Let's see. We've got stick play. One of the most fun times that Brad and I had with Fisher on a hike. So we, we found a, a big long stick and we were just hitting pine cones with it. Like they were baseballs. <laughs> And, oh, and it, okay. Stick yeah. For yeah. real. But but with a stick and like a pine cone. And it kept Fisher entertained for like 45 minutes. He was having a blast, like just throwing the pine cone and then swinging the bat. And I mean, that's great for your motor skills and motor coordination too. Another thing you could do like for older kids is this thing called a journey stick. So it's kind of like a walking stick, but it's supposed to incorporate pieces of your of your trip so you can if your child's old enough to like carve into the stick or maybe they find like a feather and they tie it around or you could use like some string or something and tie around the top of the stick like it's a whole thing you can research journey sticks but fun thing for kids to do and it doesn't really require any materials and then lastly just like maybe have some trivia questions prepared fisher still loves to play facts and opinion another game that i saw is like while you're hiking you could play guess who i am so like give give like five clues about who you are and then see if your child can guess like celebrity famous person historical figure something like that So like there's different little things that you can do, like even while you're out and about uh, to kind of just have a conversation and stuff like that. So that's really about all that I have here, Melanie. I hope those are some good ideas. Yeah, that's definitely, that's awesome. To avoid being bored when you're camping because nobody likes that. (laughs) What camping topic are you serving up for us tonight? Well... I always have to be like the rational, boring, cautionary portion of things, it feels like. We need need the balance. We need the balance. So I thought that we could discuss poisonous plants slash plants to be aware of. Okay. And I think that this is, you know, important, especially if we have a bunch of kiddos that were turning loose in the woods. The first portion of this, I'm actually going to talk about some things that I was completely unaware of, and I don't know if you are or not, but um, I want to talk about the five most poisonous plants in the United States. All right. Well, let's count them down. Are you aware of the five most poisonous plants? And to be honest, I don't know that they're in actual order of poisonousness. <laughs> Poison, poisonicity. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention a few things about these. Um, the first one on my list is called water hemlock. And oh. this is a wildflower. It is called the most toxic plant in North Carolina. Now, horribly, it is a part of the carrot family. So it actually tends to look like a parsnip or celery or something that is edible. It is, in fact, not at all. Eating it can lead to convulsions, cramps, nausea, and it can actually be fatal. So y'all Google that so you know what water hemlock looks like. Is it only poisonous if you eat it? I think most of these are actually only poisonous on consumption, which sounds like simple enough, like, oh, don't eat anything, but you've traveled with a young child. Everything's going in their mouth. Everything's going in their mouth. Everything. So just be aware. The next one on the list is called oleander. Oleander 
also one of my favorite bands from the 90s. I was about to say. But I mean, like hmm. you were still in elementary school when that came out. But anyway, <laughs> oleander is often used for landscaping purposes. Like it's a shrub, like a okay. shrub that has like flowers on it. Really pretty. If you, you know, y'all Google these things so you know what they look like. But this one actually even handling it or touching the leaves can lead to vomiting, diarrhea, cramping, lots of different scary just, stuff. Just from touching it. You don't have just to eat from that one. touching it. You don't even have to eat it. If you eat it, the symptoms are more significant. But the third one, I never knew growing up. And I grew up with grandparents who had a massive garden every year. Rhubarb leaves. Were you really? aware of that? The leaves on rhubarb. Really? I guess that's now we, true. Now we like, eat the rhubarb eat the stems, pie. Yeah, like, okay. but that's made with the stem part. But the leaf part can actually lead to breathing problems and issues with the mouth and the throat within oh, an wow. hour of exposure. Oh and my gosh. Listed on this symptom thing is also internal bleeding coma so how crazy <laughs> that my grandmother then, made pies with it like strawberry rhubarb pie it's like such a thing right how can like the stem be okay and the leaves are not like that blows my mind it's all the same plant 100 can... very good question i did I, not dig deeper but y'all if you have really rhubarb curious. in your garden don't eat the leaves in fact just don't even touch the leaves Oh my goodness. This next one sounds like it would be bad. It's called a white snake root. It's an herb and it has really small, pretty little white flowers. Fun fact, it has actually been attributed to the death of Abraham Lincoln's mother. Oh, wow. And here's the weird thing about this one. Direct exposure is not required to have ill effect. Mrs. Lincoln actually became ill after drinking milk from a cow that had eaten white. No, shut up. She drank the milk from the cow that had eaten white snake root. Mrs. Lincoln. No, ma'am. Here it is. Sure enough, I Googled it. White snake root, the plant that killed Abe Lincoln's mother. Okay. This is crazy. And it looks so like, you know, unsuspecting. It's a hundred percent. All like of a these really do. simple little plant with little white, you know, blossoms on it. Now oh here's another goodness. one for you to Google. It's called Jimson weed. J-I-M-S-O-N. Jimson weed. It is actually one of the most common poisonous plants in North America. And it was used by soldiers at the Jamestown settlement to disable Uh their British attackers. Oh, wow. So it actually causes hallucination, delirium, incoherence, and can lead to comas. So wow. those are five for y'all to Google before you're out in the wilderness. And Jimson weed, like, it's pretty distinct. You can you can tell that this thing, I mean, it's it looks like something you have not seen before. Wow. I'm, like, Googling all of these as you're talking about them. Well, so I just want you all like... to be aware, like, never underestimate the power of plants. Right. And that could be a conversation starter for many different conversations. But in this case, we're talking about safety. So keep an eye on your kids when you're out. The main topic that I want to discuss today is the plants that we're most commonly aware of that cause issues when we're camping. 
And those are the poison ivy, poison oak, and poison sumac. Mm -hmm. These grow all over the place. Now, I'm not going to say too much yet because, Miranda, I didn't warn you about this, but there is a true and false section, and you are going to have to answer. Oh, okay. Yay, I love it. I love a game. But before that happens, I did want to share with you all a very interesting fact or interesting to me. All three, poison ivy, poison oak, and poison sumac, actually release an oil, which is called urushiol. Urushiol. It's spelled U-R-U-S-H-I-O-L. So the oil, all three of them have the same oil. And the oil is what is causing the allergic reaction. Miranda, you're aware of how I'm allergic to adhesive, Mm -hmm, correct? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Several years back, I had what we referred to as a zombie arm. And it was because I had an allergic reaction to tape. Well, when I went to the doctor for said situation, they kept asking me if I had been in contact with poison ivy, poison oak, or poison sumac. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it was tape. Here is the answer to why. This oil that is within all three of those plants causes contact dermatitis. dermatitis yeah so it looks exactly the same yeah if right. you're allergic to adhesive right. you also get contact, contact dermatitis, dermatitis. Yeah. so it's the same exact symptom right it is itchy red rash with bumps and blisters it's gross mine was from tape and it could be from any of these three plants hmm. so okay your quiz you ready I am. I love a quiz. Oh, yay. Here we go. Now, this is going to be true or false, okay? Okay. And I'm not going to make you say certain titty or anything. (laughs) Strange. Statement number one, they grow everywhere. That's it? They they grow everywhere? That's it. Uh, True or false? False. Actually, that is a fact. Poison oh. ivy, poison oak, and poison sumac grow in wooded or marshy areas throughout all of North America. Hmm. They themselves, the plant, is not actually poisonous. It's that oil that I mentioned that causes the issue. Statement number two. Leaves of three, let it be. True. Actually, It's like a half-truth. That's what my mamma always used to say. Well, it's not a bad tip, but poison ivy is Mm -hmm. almost always leaves of three. However, poison oak looks similar, but the leaves are larger, and sometimes it can have five or seven leaves. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And then poison sumac grows... In clusters of seven to 13 leaves. Right. It's more like a sprig with like little leaves kind of shooting off of it. Seven to 13. Always an odd number on all of them. Hmm. So yeah, avoid the things that are leaves of three, but that's not it. Like there's more. (laughs) There's more to avoid. (laughs) Okay. Statement number three. The rash shows up right away. False. False. 
Good job. And I know that because Brad is super, super allergic to Yerushiol or whatever it is. And and he has learned that after he goes mountain biking, he has to use like baby wipes or like something that's got alcohol in it to basically like Mm -hmm. dry the oil out. Because if he doesn't, then he'll like the symptoms actually show up like an hour later and then he's like oh i've got poison ivy so anytime regardless wherever he goes mountain biking he goes ahead and does that as soon as he gets off his bike that is actually really good and that will be part of one of the tips that i mentioned later according to my research it can form within 24 hours and up to 72 hours after contact with Mm. the oil So it really depends. If you do get poison ivy, poison oak, poison sumac, the symptoms usually peak within a week, but they can last for up to three weeks, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. Okay. Number four, don't touch the leaves. You'll be okay. (laughs) I feel like I want to say false to that one? Yeah, it's a little bit of a trick question. What they're talking about here is it is really you get it from touching the leaves, but if you were to burn something that had poison ivy, poison oak, or poison sumac on it, that oil actually gets released by the fire and then can end up in your eyes, nose, lungs, and passageways from the smoke, which is wild. No, thank you. No, thank you. No. Number five, clothes keep you safe. It's an oil, so I feel like that's false, because what if it just goes straight through the fibers of your clothing? Okay. It actually, that is if that is true, that clo- clothes do keep you safe. It's not that pervasive of an oil. <laughs> now, it's important to mention, like, wherever you're covered, the clothes help. But if you, you wouldn't want to, like, take those clothes off and then, like, rub them on your face or anything. Because makes the sense. clothes are getting the oil, but, you know. Yeah. You get what I mean. So So be careful with handling your clothes after you take them off. Correct. Okay. Number six, the oil stays on your skin. True. Yes. Urushul. We should have, I should have looked up. (laughs) Urushul. The the oil. It sounds like Uh, a sushi roll that I would order. Like I would go out to eat and order a Urushi roll. It It sounds really tasty. It sticks on your skin within minutes. So Mm. that's the whole thing. The adhesion of the oil, it does stay on your skin. And that's why it spreads. So like you could get it on your leg, but if you scratch your leg or touch your leg with your hand and then you touch your arm or your shoulder or your face, like you're just spreading the oil around. Number seven, home remedies clear up the rash. I really wanted to ask you this one. I really did. Because you're like the home remedy queen. I'm telling you. And my memo would have a home remedy for this, okay? She would probably slather you down in turpentine or something crazy. So I don't know. I feel like, yes, there's a home remedy out there that can stop or at least 
relieve some of the symptoms of poison oak, poison ivy, or sumac. Okay. I will give you credit for that. It's kind okay. of a partial answer. Like, it actually says false on here, but it, it also goes on to explain that, yes, you can use your over-the-counter Rem- like your home remedies, but you should probably mix those with some over-the-counter medicines. And that would be things like calamine lotion and hydrocortisone creams and Benadryl mm-hmm. and, and those types of things. Cool compresses or baths with baking soda or oatmeal, which makes me think of chicken pox. We used to get um, lots of oatmeal baths when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, those kind of border the line of like home remedy versus like you can buy a vino oatmeal bath at the store. So, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Number eight, the rash is contagious. Yes, it is. Right. Because if you scratch it, it's just going to spread and move. No, it's actually not. It's not contagious. If someone in your household has the poison ivy or the poison oak or poison sumac, you cannot get it from touching the blisters. And that's what they're referring to. So like if they're still covered in the urushal, (laughs) if they're still covered in that, you can get it from them. But like once that's gone and they just have the blisters, you can't get anything from that because that's just contact dermatitis. Sure. Okay. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. So it's not necessarily the rash that's contagious. It's the oil that started the rash in the first place. It's the oil that's the issue in all of this. You're not going to get contact dermatitis from touching contact dermatitis. No, very that's important, the important fact right there. Yeah, thank okay. you for that distinction. It's a good distinction, Uncle Yershel. <laughs> no, number nine, pets don't get the rash. Uh, I think that's probably true. That is true. But this is an important thing to bring up that ties into what we were just talking about. They don't get it because their fur stops them from the urushal <laughs> from yes. getting on their skin. I'm actually glad only- you didn't look up how to say that word. <laughs> but it does stay on their fur. So if you're camping with your dog or, I mean, I don't think anybody's camping with a cat. But if you're camping with a pet <laughs> yeah. and it touches this touches one of these plants and then it's all over you yeah you can get it because it's on their fur like they're not going to get it because their fur is protecting them but if they come back gotcha so maybe keep like a nasty dog towel and just wipe them down and then don't touch the towel correct okay last one and this is more for like around your house use any method to control these plants True or false? I mean, I wouldn't use any method. Any method could include a hand grenade. Like, maybe yeah. don't do that. Like, right. Okay. Like, okay, let's just say false. <laughs> yes, it is false. Um, the biggest concern that they mention in, um, in the research that I read is they don't want you to burn it. Like, I mean, right. I feel like that's a very yeah. American thing to like, let's burn it down. Burn it, burn baby. It down. Okay, but burn can it. I just tell you though, earlier when I was, don't burn it. Earlier when I was doing so much yard work today, I started a burn pile and I was just like, yeah, I'm going to burn all these twigs. I had to like trim a bunch of bush- bushes in my front yard. And you know how like your bushes, they get like all the dead pieces, like twiggies in there. So I'm just yeah. pulling them off and I'm just burning them. And it did. I felt like a real American. Now, where we live, 
all around the edges of our property is kind of wild. We have lots of wisteria and plants mm-hmm. and trees, and we do get a good bit of poison ivy. There are plant killers that will take care of it. Not that I'm a huge fan of plant killers, but you got to take care of this stuff if you've got people that live in your house that are sensitive to it. But you have to actually look very closely when you're reading the labels. Like Roundup will not kill a poison ivy, a poison oak. Like It has to be specific bottle that kills these types of plants. Mm -hmm. Um, So make sure you pay attention to that. Now, what do we do... We know we've come into contact with poison ivy or poison oak. You mentioned alcohol. Mm-hmm. That is a good to, one. To put, to put on your skin, not to drink in this case. No. no. Well, I yeah. mean, you might want to do both, but like don't drink the rubbing alcohol. That's yeah, a whole separate don't, situation. Don't do that. If you know that you've touched it, which I actually had this happen to me one time because I was in the backyard using the spray that I found at Lowe's to try to kill the poison ivy because my kid gets it real easily. Like mm. he just brushes against it and he's covered. So I was out there spraying and I know that I touched it. I ran back inside and I used Dawn because Arucharol or whatever it's called (laughs) is an oil. And as Uh we all know, Dawn can get a a duck clean from an oil spill. That's right. It can. I just took that Dawn and slathered it right on that whole arm. Now, if you're camping, you're not going to know that you came into contact with it. But if you do dishwashing soap, Anything with rubbing alcohol really takes care of it. And shout out to Dr. Bronner's. That's our go-to camp soap because you can use it to wash dishes. You can use it for like, you know, the scrub downs after the poison ivy at the end of the day. It's just like the all around soap. It's like 18 in one or something, but also it's biodegradable. So super, it's not bad for the earth whenever you're out camping and using it. And they have like big bottles of it. So good tip. So I'm going to wrap all of that up by saying, y'all, look into the plants that are in the area where you're planning to go camping so that you can be familiar. You don't want anybody to accidentally come up on some Jimson weed and, you know, start hallucinating. So be aware of your surroundings. Know what to do if you come into contact with one of these things that you shouldn't be. And be safe. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about um, the Jimson weed that you got into at the music festival that one time? (laughs) No, absolutely not. All right, Melanie, what spotlight do you have for us this week? What do you want to shine a little light on? Let your light shine. I would like to shine a little light on the National Park Foundation. (gasps) Yay! So our goal with these summer episodes is we want to encourage y'all to get outside and what better place to do it at a national park. The (laughs) National Park Foundation is the official charity of America's national parks. The National Park Foundation raises private funds that directly aid, support, and enrich America's 419 national parks and their programs. One of the most important parts of the National Park Foundation is that they work to keep the trails clear through their Service Corps program, and they raise and allocate 
critical funds to keep our national parks safe. So both of those things are critically important. As a person who does a good bit of hiking, those trails being cleared, thank you, ladies Mm -hmm. and gentlemen Mm -hmm. of the Service Corps. We appreciate it. So to learn more about the National Park Foundation, visit their website at nationalparks.org. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at Mother Mayhem Podcast at gmail.com. They were actually chartered by Congress as the nonprofit park partner for the National Park Service, and they focus on promoting programs and projects that protect precious <laughs> landscapes. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to do some poetry by the campfire with that alliteration? Hold on. <laughs> Let me hit that again. No, I... <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh <laughs> I'm sorry that really that really got me there. I didn't. I read through this earlier, but holy crap! We can't it's too many peas. Who writes something with so many peas? Brenda, it's five peas in one sentence. Who the fuck is in charge wow. here? <laughs> Do you want amazing. me to start the whole thing over?